everyone, and welcome to episode 213 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. It's Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Krim was away at GPLA this weekend. He is on a plane right now, I think, while we're recording, so no Krim this week, but of course, like every week, I'm joined by the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? And correction, Krim... Was that Magic Fest LA, Seth? Magic Fest oh. LA. Although he was <laughs> I, in the Grand Prix Los Angeles as well. Uh, yes. Okay. That, thank you for that correction. I'm going to do that wrong for probably the rest of the year. So yep. get used yep, to it. Yep. Go back to your pro <laughs> tours. And he, he was at the Mythic Magic Fest playing some Mythic card games. <laughs> I mean, I think technically he was at the GP, but that was also at the Magic Fest, so I don't know. It's too it's too complicated for my small brain to keep up with. Too many mythics for yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know how he did actually. <laughs> did he did he like O three scrub out and play at Magic Fest or did he like make it all the way to like top sixteen or something? We don't know. We'll find out next week. <laughs> I will say, as I was watching coverage, I did see a, a Krim deck tech, so that was cool. He got a, with Pleasant Kenobi doing the deck techs, uh, talked a little bit about his modern deck and what he was playing, so that was cool. But I don't think he, I don't, he didn't make the top eight and I didn't see him on camera as I was watching, so I'm assuming he did not super, super good, but he did get a deck tech, which is sweet. Ah, yes, all those times he didn't strip mine, Vince on Commander Clash paid off. <laughs> Uh, yes. So anyway, the plan for today, uh, we had a couple of topics to talk about. First off, we had a big product announcement on Thursday with Modern Horizons along with a couple of spoilers cards. So we're going to start off by talking everything Modern Horizons. Then we want to talk about GPLA uh, Modern and also they had a pauper MCQ, which is a mythic championship slash pro tour qualifier. So first time in paper that people could qualify for a mythic championship playing pauper, uh, which was also on coverage, which was kind of cool. So we want to talk about that. And then of course, uh, fish mail, we will get to at the end of our episode. So anyway, uh, before we jump into it, a reminder that the sponsor of the show today is SpikesAcademy.com, and Spikes Academy actually today, March 4th, is launching a, a new course, The Art of Sideboarding with Seth Mansfeld, and the first 200 people that buy the course can get 15% off if they use the cord sideboarding. So uh, thank you to Spikes Academy for their support, and if you want to check out this sweet new course for 15% off, uh, check out The Art of Sideboarding with Seth Mansfeld, code sideboarding. So thanks again to them. Anyway, with our sponsorship stuff out of the way today, let's talk a little bit about Modern Horizon. So Richard, before we talk about the two spoiler cards we got, what is Modern Horizons for people that may not have heard yet somehow? All right, you're ready for this? We have a new set and this set brings cards to Modern skipping standard. And it features 249 new to modern cards. So either they are brand new cards, two of which we'll discuss today, or they're cards that were not previously available in modern, but now reprinted into modern. So sets we've been talking for like years, I think at this point, about a set where you skip standard and just inject things randomly into modern. And now we have it, 249 new cards coming to modern 
June 14th. So later on this year. I am so hyped. This is something that I personally have been asking for for a few years now. And there's so many sweet old cards in Legacy that are cards that I think would be really fun and probably pretty good in modern that are just too old or weird or powerful, some combination of those things to show up in standard. So I am really hyped for this. I think based on watching the live stream, it sounds like we're going to get mostly new cards. It sounds like that's kind of how it's weighted is primarily new cards, but also some reprints. Uh, Regardless, it's going to be uh, super exciting. And I'm really hyped to see what this does to the modern format. We talk about uh, modern needing shakeups now and then for pro tours and whatnot. And This seems like the kind of thing that will shake up modern, possibly even more than a banning or an unbanning, just getting so many new, potentially powerful cards, because with a standard set, what do you get? Two cards, five cards, maybe ten cards in an insane set that even show up in modern at all? With this set, I have really high hopes that we're going to see a lot more modern playable cards than we would in a typical set. Yeah, and uh, looking at the two cards, which you're going to talk about in two seconds, the power level is being pumped up. Uh, if I was a legacy player, <laughs> I, I would be worried that everyone would just migrate to modern because it feels like they're about to juice up the power level in modern. And uh, this is the new place to play when you have, you know, when you want to play old cards. And it'll be interesting to see if they print cards that are kind of just strong overall, like let's say Fatal Push. Or they start making weird cards to bring up kind of the tier three and tier four archetypes. Like, can you imagine they just add like a weird merfolk or something to, you know, juice up the power level of the fish deck or, you know, whatever, things like that, right? Or do they just bring in more thought seizes, more fatal pushes, more lightning bolts? So it'll be very interesting to see how they do it. Uh, but it does look spicy. It does look like modern is about to get much more powerful and closer to legacy in terms of power level so the set itself i want to hear your thoughts on this because it's kind of unique and weird so from what we have gathered uh, the set is going to be booster boxes that are 36 packs so similar to a standard set in that way however uh, wholesale based on what we're seeing from some LGSs talking about what they have to pay from distributors is like 160 some dollars, which means it's kind of like master set pricing, but with 36 packs and presumably not a foil in every pack. What do you think of this model, Richard, of like more packs in the box, but still a higher price tag uh, or a master set like price tag? But there's no MSRP, Seth. It could be anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just it's just gonna sell for whatever people pay for it, right? So if if there are lots of good cards, expect the price to be high. <laughs> if the cards are not so good and they're so so, expect iconic masters, right? Like I I don't know what to say. And it's unlimited print run, if I recall correctly, right, Seth? There's this is not a limited edition thing. So expect it to be priced according to how good the cards are. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the cards are like uh, and how in demand they are. It's interesting also that there is going to be a pre-release for this set, and there's also going to be a buy-a-box promo for this set, similar to a standard set. Pre-release is draft rather than sealed, which is kind of unique. I'm not really sure exactly why that was a choice, but it's cool. And uh, the promo is going to be a reprint of a card that is not currently in modern. So I'm really excited to see 
what they choose for the buy a box promo to get people hyped to buy this presumably like two hundred dollar box uh, of of magic cards. So yeah, I, I you know what I can tell you, Seth. Modern <laughs> is about to change. Do you think they tested? The new mulligan rule with this brand new set with 250 new cards into modern. Like, I'm going to say they did not test all the permutations of this. So it'll be interesting to see what trumps what, right? Like, if they print more combo pieces in here or if it's the opposite. They print more combo hate to keep that in check And given that they knew about the new mulligan. So it'll be interesting. It's... It's also a little curious that this set is releasing shortly after the Modern Pro Tour. The set comes out in June. The Modern Pro Tour is the end of April, so like a month before. Uh, so that kind of, I don't I don't know what to make of that. I, maybe they want to make sure this mulligan rule is tested without the impact of this new set. Maybe the next Paper Pro Tour will also be Modern, and we get two in a row to show off these new cards. But it does seem a little strange to have the set release right after the modern pro tour when we're used to just getting one a year. So I'll be interested to see if that changes anything. Maybe the course at 2020 paper mythic championship is also going to be modern to show off this set. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Richard, why don't you tell us we got two cards, very early spoilers. Spoiler season doesn't actually start until after war of the spark. So we got a ways to go. I believe may will be getting official spoilers. Why don't you tell us though about our couple of sneak peek preview cards we got a couple days ago. All right. First up, we have a Planeswalker. A Planeswalker that we've known about since like the beginning of Magic. Sarah the Benevolent. Two white, white. So finally, the Sarah from Sarah's Angel, or like Seth would like to say, Sierra the Benevolent. <laughs> Four starting loyalty. Plus two, creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Minus three, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. Minus six, you get an emblem with, if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. So from a modern perspective, I think this card is kind of okay. From a flavor perspective, it's awesome. We've never had a Sierra or Sarah Planeswalker before, so uh, I think it's really cool from a play, uh, flavor perspective. As far as power level, it seems... Uh, I don't know. I'm not high on this card being a modern staple. It does do some interesting things in the right deck. Like, if you have a bunch of flyers, like Lingering Souls, the plus two can be a lot of damage. The emblem is actually really scary. A uh, worship that can't be interacted with sounds like it is a pretty worthy payoff, and you get there in one turn. Making an actual Sarah Angel, that's not super exciting in a world of Tarmogoyfs and Death Shadows for four mana. What do you think, Richard? Is this card better in modern than I'm giving it credit for? Is this something you're mostly excited to jam in your commander decks? I think it has uses in modern. So as a general purpose card, it's like kind of meh. So it competes with, uh, let's say, Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, and um, four mana Elspeth. And these are basically card advantage cards. So these are cards that like Abzan would play. And the idea is you throw this Planeswalker down, you poop out some creatures, and then your opponent can't keep up one for one. The, the best thing about Sarah the Benevol Benevolent is the ultimate. Uh, so it's a six. And so you need one plus one, and then you can ultimate. That stops all the combo decks. 
right? So if you can stabilize long enough, let's say you could thought seize away their turn three or four win, and then you Sarah the Benevolent, you plus one, you minus, they probably can't beat you anymore. Uh, plus two, sorry. So I see it as like that weird sideboard card where against control decks, like you just pop this down and then there's a warship and they can't deal with it. So in that sense, I think it's really good. If I was just doing mid-range I, mirrors, I would just play Gideon. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think that's kind of where I come down with the card. I think you really want to be uh, able to abuse the ultimate in some way. Like, that seems like the reason to play the card. I can also see an argument if you are heavy, uh, heavily in on flyers. Maybe the plus two is more powerful uh, than it looks, being like a one-shot Sarah uh, aviary or favorable wins type thing. But the... Emblem of Worship is incredibly difficult for some decks to be, and I like that you mentioned Control, because I played a lot of Worship. I love Worship locking people out of the game, and against Control, you get down your Worship, you get down the lock, and you feel good about where you're at, but they do have cards that beat it, like Cryptic Command bouncing your Worship kind of ruins your day. With an Emblem, a lot of the ways that decks can potentially beat Worship uh, are taken off the table, and your opponent needs Vapor Snag, or like uh, a loss of life effect, like collective brutality, to actually kill you uh, because so many of the other answers don't work against an emblem. Yeah, and just imagine lingering souls plus emblem. Like your opponent may have it, you know, one abrupt decay, maybe like a fatal push or two, uh, but they're going to need actual sweepers if you lingering souls into emblem. And, you know, a disenchant doesn't get rid of this, right? So it is extremely powerful and. Good news, Lingering Souls is the same color <laughs> as Sarah the Benevolent, so expect that to happen. And just the clock, right? If you have four Lingering Souls tokens out and you just plus, oh boy, it's actually a clock to finish the game, right? So I'm hoping she sees some play somewhere, right? But, you know, you do have Gideon and Elspeth to compete with her. Yeah, I think maybe Spirits is another good option, uh, even as a sideboard card for, like you said, those combo matchups where your opponent can uh, kind of just race you, uh, and then plus you're getting in a lot of extra damage, so I think there's a chance. It takes a specific deck, though. It's not a every, it's not the Thought Seize you were talking about. It's more of the power-up specific archetypes, but even more than that, because I'm not exactly sure what those specific archetypes are at the moment. Yeah. And I'm ready to get my... Uh you know, revise Sarah Angels and then like alter them into a token and then and then just minus three and plop this down. I feel the minus three will be like decent. I feel like you will kill people with that minus three, right? Like it's still decent. Yeah, it gets fatal push, but I would pay, like a four man of Sarah Angel that has more value over time is not the end of the world. Yeah. It's not bad. I think it's a fine ability, and you will kill people with it sometimes, but I don't think you play Sarah the Benevolent for the Make a Sarah Angel. You play it to Worship Lock, or maybe to force through a lot of damage, and that's just kind of like the bonus ability that sometimes it'll be what you need to do. Yeah, but I, I do think this will cause problems. Like, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> why? the Like, imagine, like, a Blood Moon emblem, right? Like, you have, like, this super problematic card, and now you just give it to an emblem on a Planeswalker after two turns. Like, oh boy, <laughs> right? Like, good luck. So, so, uh, tinfoil hat time. My theory is the emblem isn't as good as it looks because in War of the Spark, we are going to see, along with a lot of planeswalkers, our first ways to interact with emblems. No, no. That's, I don't have any information. <laughs> that's just, that's just a tinfoil hat speculation type thing, but. 
but that's my guess is that's going to be part of the gimmick of the set is you can actually interact with emblems to counteract the presumably ton of planeswalkers that are going to be in the set. That is a good theory. And I think you're right. Just like, you know, how exile was like, it's not the graveyard because you can't interact with it. And then they decided to print like <laughs> all these cards that could interact with exile such that exile is basically a graveyard at this point. I, I think you're right. I think you'll have like a, a disenchant or something that can hit emblems. Yeah. And that would make them, I mean, it would still be really good because who in modern is going to play emblem It seems like a very niche uh, effect, but uh, that would make it make a little more sense if they're going to keep printing all these planeswalkers with really powerful emblem abilities. Yeah, I'd imagine a stifle will come to in this modern set, like an actual good stifle. I imagine that will be Maybe happening. Maybe it's just like literal stifle. Yeah. That could, I think literal stifle is probably safe for modern. But that's like Stone Rain, Seth. Are you sure we want one man of Stone Rain? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, you will. It will be hilarious because modern players are not used to playing around stifle in the way that legacy players are. So you're going to be able to get people really good for the first, if it is in the set, for the first couple of weeks or months after the set comes out. Oh man, you are going to wreck people with stifle. Can, if can that you does imagine happen. if they reprinted Brainstorm Blaze? land stifle into modern (laughs) yes i mean then it would just be legacy (laughs) yes without the dual lands that's it right i i would totally take that format right like remove the reserve list that's basically reserve list free (laughs) legacy right yeah oh just throw a a daze in there for good measure oh yes (laughs) it's happening seth all right uh, okay, why is it happening? Why, why are we talking such ridiculous things, Seth? Because there's this ridiculous card that they revealed, Cabal Therapist. It's a creature, a single black mana. It's a 1-1 creature horror, Menace. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, choose a non-land card name, then target player reveals their hand and discards all cards with that name. This card's, this card's pretty good. On the live stream, they said this is maybe in the top 10 cards in the set, but it's not like the best card in the set. So if this is maybe in the top 10, there's some busted stuff in Modern Horizons. And I think this card itself is really good. I've heard people arguing against it because uh, it doesn't do anything right away. You gotta wait a turn, but it's a one drop. It's not like, it's not like you're paying five mana for a creature you need to untap with. It's, it's a one drop. So it's really easy to, uh, actually get on the battlefield. Even if your opponent immediately kills it, you're at least breaking even in mana, even if they have to bolt or fatal push it. And if it sits on the battlefield, this just wrecks some decks with, uh, you have blood gas and lingering souls in so many ways to just have this every turn cabal therapy where you're gonna just strip your opponent's hand of every meaningful thing because on the second activation you already know your opponent's hand from the first activation so i feel like this is a card that has a ton of potential and it just naturally slots into pre-existing decks it already seems good in like young pyromancer mardu style decks uh, it seems like it works in black white tokens really easily some sort of weird sacrifice blood gas aristocrats style so there are shells that you can just slot this into i think this card is pretty busted what do you what do you think richard so i think we're imagining that it's a lot better than it is but it's still really good so if you play this on turn one right you untap you need to sacrifice it immediately if you want a cabal therapy because you don't have a chance to play something unless you somehow flash in a creature uh so so that's awkward right but so what you would ideally do is cabal therapist 
and then Thought sees one drop, <laughs> and then the next turn, sack that creature, and then just keep sacking creatures. And the thing about Cabal Therapy is it gets infinitely better uh, on the second and third activations. Because the first one is kind of blind. Second one, you know exactly what's in their hand, right? So uh, it is super good if you get it going. And basically what that means is if you're a combo deck, you have this tiny window to like go off uh, before your total your hand is just annihilated, right? It's just like a repeatable thought sees every single turn. And it's actually sometimes better than thought sees, right? Like, you know, the the tilting blind name and you discard two cards can happen too. So I think it's really good. The only thing that could make it better if it was a zombie. <laughs> can you imagine like cycling grave crawlers to this? <laughs> grave crawlers, oh, oh boy. My God. <laughs> oh boy, but this is soup like a young pyromancer deck. Like if you don't win immediately, like you're not gonna have a hand anymore, right? Like good luck, right? So Wizards is I don't know, Wizard <laughs> Wizards wants you to jund them out, man. Like you wanna play off the top of your deck and I don't know, this is this is a weird card. Just a one-shot therapy is good enough, right? But the fact that you can repeat it is kind of scary. The other thing that I didn't really pick up on right away is how this has some potential to enable some combo decks because, uh, remember, you choose a target player. So while most of the time you want to target your opponent, uh, you can target yourself with this. So in a deck like a Gorio's Vengeance Reanimator Shell, this is another Faithless Looting, almost, where you can play this on turn one, sack it on turn two, discard your Emrakul with the trigger on the stack and reanimate it and win the game or whatever your grizzle brand or whatever so you can do some tricky things targeting yourself to get specific cards in the graveyard or like dredge and dredge you have all these creatures that you want in the graveyard anyway and you can sacrifice a blood gas that's coming back or a stinkweed imp that you want to dredge with and then get it back or a narc amoeba and then just keep stripping your opponent's hand for free essentially so i think there's some cool stuff you can do targeting yourself in specific decks as well yeah and you can also just come with Sarah the Benevolent. <laughs> you just like you make emblem. your 4-4 four, four and sack it. No, 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 no. You emblem and oh, then you're okay. like, Cabal Therapist. No, I won't therapy you. I'll just keep it as a 1-1 one, one to keep my warship going. <laughs> right? So this this has to be worse than actual therapy though, right? Like if you were going to compare the two cards, worse or better? I don't know. It's a clock. It's repeatable. So a therapy caps out at like two therapies. <laughs> this is like infinite therapy. So I don't know. I mean, therapy probably I mean, is better in general, I but I feel like there are cases where this thing has to be better. Yeah, like Bitter Blossom. Yeah, or just Lingering <laughs> just Souls or whatever, right? Just anything, like, right? Yeah. Just like you have an endless stream of disruption, and if you do, you know, your Snapcaster beatdowns are actually going to win the game, right? Like, if your combo deck opponent is off the top decking, they're they're kind of screwed. So I actually really like this. And at worst, this is like 1-1 one, one Menace. You can just chip in there for some damage. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it, it adds up. It I do like that it's a little bit restricted. Like, I don't think you could play this in your Jun deck because you don't really, you don't want to be sacrificing your stuff. Like, could you play this in Jun, Richard? Is just like sacking this to therapy once enough? Or do you need like those disposable creatures to really make it worth slotting into your deck? I don't know. So, uh, so you obviously don't want to play this in the sack of Tarmogoyf. Right? But being a creature has its advantages. You can get it back with Liliana the Last Hope, Coligan's Command. Uh, you could. What's that tutor for uh, for a creature? Uh, like Oh, traverse. Yeah, you could traverse for the it. Minimal. Like, there are advantages to being a creature. Um, so, I don't know, right? But, I, I mean, I'd probably just play Thoughtseize over this. 
But I think in Abzan or something, this is like more likely where you have lingering souls to throw away and and things like that. Gideon tokens. Yeah, that, <laughs> and I mean, I guess if it proved to be powerful enough, you could slot Bitter Blossom into your Jun deck. We've seen that at times in the past. Like you could, if you found it to be so good that you needed to take advantage of it, you could probably like change your deck a bit to make it better or more practical. Yeah. And uh, it works really well with Thoughtseize, right? Like, everyone knows the best therapy is one that is uh, preceded by a Gitaxian probe, right? But a turn one Thoughtseize is the same thing. You see their exact hand, and you're like, nice three cryptic commands, Cabal Therapist naming cryptic command, and, like, the game is over, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I think this will slot really well into Disruption. And I feel like all of these cards here are to stop the menace of combo decks. <laughs> right like they're all like super anti-combos i hope that i hope that that's what the plan for the set is like i'm hoping that the idea isn't to support combos but to uh, support fair decks and slow down combos and we've only seen two cards but i'm hopeful that that's where the set is setting i gotta ask you uh, at the live stream Blake talked about wanting to show off a blue card, but then they're like, no, you can't show off the best card in the set already. What do you think a blue reprint that would be the best card in the set could be? Preordain? <laughs> Brainstorm would be the answer, but do you think do you think they'd be so crazy as to unleash Brainstorm? <laughs> Man, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe if they want Modern to literally become legacy i guess that's that is how you can do it if you have brainstorm and fetches it would feel exactly like legacy what about like force is is force completely off the table like i expect counter spell i don't know if counter spell would count as the best card in the set though is force no. of will just i don't know i don't like just force too, yeah force is like super bad like i don't know it's like the card you sideboard out the most i feel maybe it is maybe you could consider it the best card but it just makes things weird. I'd rather put a brainstorm in the format. At least it's fun. <laughs> like getting force yeah, of wills with like no counterplay. <laughs> everyone have to play blue is like super weird. What about days? I actually think I've. Oh man, I do not want days in days the format. I'm more good. scared of that than like any other counter spell. <laughs> days is too good. I don't know. I, I feel like it'd be weird to have one of these free counters without the other. Because your way to combat a counter spell is to daze them, <laughs> or to like I don't know. It's weird. But I feel like they should just reprint all this stuff into modern. Why not? Who cares? So, so since we're talking about reprinting stuff into modern, is there anything you really are hoping for or, or expecting reprint rise? I, obviously, we can't guess the new cards. We'll see what they are. Hopefully, they're sweet. They look sweet so far. But reprint wise, what do you want slash expect in this set? Swords to plowshares, not not feast of famine. Okay, <laughs> like we have path to exile, <laughs> we have fatal push, we have assassin's trophy. It's time to unleash swords to plowshares. It's like not that op, or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe if you have a combination of four path, four swords, or four swords, four fatal pushes, it becomes ridiculous to play creature deck. But looking at the options we have today, it's not that much stronger. Mm, I could see. I don't think swords is too good. I think. What do you think about baleful Strix? That's a card that I thought was extremely likely and then i wrote an article about it and a lot of people were like no that would ruin the format and i was like really <laughs> baleful strix that's the card that's gonna ruin the format what is what is your take on baleful strix i do not want to see a baleful strix on the battlefield i think it ruins any fair deck like the the amount of crap you need to go through to get rid of that baleful strix right like and it, and for some reason you get a card off of this like if you want this value then play uh wall of omens <laughs> 
Uh, it's a one-one for two. How can that? How can that ruin the? Okay, if you remove the death touch part of it, then fine. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, it's you're just a, a Tarmogoyf player that doesn't want to slam your goyfs into my one-one with death touch. Anything, death shadow, <laughs> like literal any clock gets stopped right there, and you need to play removal, which is otherwise dead, right? Because typically the decks that play this are control or combo decks, so you don't want your removal against them. So what you're really hoping for is like a Coligan's command or something, but like that's super slow. So I do not want to see Baleful Strikes. Like you might as well just reprint True Name Nemesis at this point, right? Like, <laughs> oh, no. I think Flusterstorm is probably one of my best bets for showing up in the set. Is that that's not, that that's not like, modern legal? Huh. <laughs> it is not modern legal, huh. and it seems like the kind of card that helps fight the unfair decks to some extent. What do you think about Maze of Ith? I was trying to go for the lands, the big, the big lands, Maze of Ith, Port, Wasteland, or some of the biggest ones. Also, Caracas, I guess. No, do you think any no, of no, those? No, no, no. If you print those, then you must bring Wasteland into the format. <laughs> if they give you a Maze of Ith without a Wasteland, like that is ridiculous, right? Like you want to ghost quarter me, right? You want to spend three mana to field the ruin me, like. <laughs> oh boy right like oh you need wasteland like can you imagine if someone just pops down a maze of it on turn one and you're a creature deck you're like um okay (laughs) sure (laughs) right you need a wasteland what do you think about wasteland i've actually i are you i thought that was one of the most unlikely cards to be reprinted but i've seen a lot of people thinking that it would be good so what is your justification for wasteland in modern everyone has wasteland so what is what is bad about this it just my concern is it leads to some non-games which are not particularly fun like when you hear Wasteland, you think, oh, that's good. I can deal with their Tron land. But really, what you don't consider is, oh, they're going to play a Delver. Yeah, and what's going to happen is turn one Delver. And I never get to do anything. Turn two Wasteland, you would spell pierce up and let's go, right? But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We we have enough one banner removal now. You can bolt, you can push. There's no daze, right? The, the backbreaker is they Wasteland you and their daze is always online. Uh, but yeah, or you try to Wasteland them and they pick up their land with days oh yeah that's why you don't cast a spell and in response wasteland them (laughs) (laughs) you make sure the stack is clear but uh, i think it's if you're worried about that then you cannot print stifle i guess i guess that's true stifle is sort of similar i'm really hoping we get some like pernicious deeds uh Council's judgment, like those type of utility spells, I think would be sweet. We don't even need also, them maybe though. Some, like, commander There's stuff. nothing hard to get rid of. You need them for like true name nemesis, right? But we don't have true name nemesis, so it's fine. Ah, oh, they're just sweet cards though. Sweet and nostalgic. Like deeds, I think is. I just love deeds for some reason. Toxic deluge could be a thing, maybe. I think that could be a good one. I think that's that's actually a good one. Some people have been going with they're going to put Stoneforge in the set. I don't know how that works with the all the cards are new to modern. Technically, Stoneforge has never been in modern because it's been banned. Oh, I, I mean, given but, the power so, level of these cards, like I don't care about Stoneforge anymore. <laughs> like it, it would totally fit in, given that the power level that they're pushing. Yeah, I I think that would be pretty safe. Well, it's definitely going to be exciting. I I am so hyped for this, and I don't know. Uh, it's a crazy time in modern between the Mulligan rule and then also this new set. Modern is going through a upheaval of sorts, especially if that mulligan rule becomes the rule. I, I feel like Wasteland is coming, Seth. I feel like this could be it. I never thought about it, but this could be like, here's Legacy. 
2.0. <laughs> We're done with legacy. This was reserveless free legacy called Modern with Modern Horizons. And they just give us all the goodies. Preordain. Yes. Ooh. Yes. One one more one more question before we move on. Do you think that this set increases the likelihood of something like Commander Decks being modern legal or other supplemental products? Like now that the dam has been broken, are we going to see this become the new norm or is this just a special one-time thing and we'll never see it again? I think it's a one-time thing. I, I think they want to be free to print multiplayer cards without the pesky tournament players abusing them <laughs> you know what i mean like there, there'll be cards like true name nemesis that's perfectly reasonable in commander but in 1v1 it's like a little oppressive so i feel like they want to be able to protect themselves from that yeah i think that does make sense it, it seems like it's a lot more work for them yeah. if they were going to make all the supplemental products then they would have to test them at least to some extent you would think in modern and i don't know if they even with the new play design team i don't know if they want to put the man hours into it even though i think it if executed well it could be sweet but it does seem like it would take a lot more work yeah anyway any other modern horizons thought richard before we uh check in on gp action real quick before fish mail legacy is coming it's legacy <laughs> this power level just hyped? pumps it up are you excited like uh, does this make you more excited for modern than you were before the announcement oh yeah oh yeah L -l -l clearly they're i mean you, you're getting 250 cards roughly into modern so the the format will definitely change also makes me feel a little better about modern uh i was a little worried with standard plus and arena and just the fact that they're printing this modern set makes me feel a little bit better about the the future of the format moving forward. Does that uh, does it change your uh, <laughs> not too much? Uh, well, if I see sudden influx of modern events and modern coverage, then maybe. But I feel like we're just going to see the same old push of arena and standard and mythic invitational stuff. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if this revives Moto. Because if you want to play all these new cards, like there's only one place, which is Magic Online. Well, yeah, and in paper, that is, but that I meant digital. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a good thing for Magic Online, at least. So, well, we'll see. Or we'll maybe see what it's happens. the it's release of times. like Vintage Masters or something. Where, yeah, or uh, what are what are those Magic Online sets like? The ME4 and ME3 Masters Edition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we have plenty of those at Magic sets. Online, but you know, people aren't super hype about them. Well, let's move on and uh, talk a little bit about Magic Fest slash Grand Prix Los Angeles that happened this weekend. So, uh, two big pieces of news. One is Modern GP, which was also covered. This is one of our GPs that got coverage. And before we get into it, uh, shout out to Channel Fireball. I was extremely impressed with their coverage this weekend. It was really wall to wall magic. Pleasant Kenobi was a floor reporter doing tons of deck techs. It was sweet. They showed so many matches, did some cool stuff with Time Walk. So, uh, I really enjoyed how they handled coverage. And they also had this more looser, fun feel where they're kind of like, instead of the pro tour super serious like golf announcer thing they were they were telling stories and having fun and uh, i like watching people have fun playing magic and talking about magic so i found the coverage to be really good uh, as far as the decks the modern gp 
pretty unfair. Uh, ended up with a lot of Is It Phoenix, a lot of Dredge. Finals was Is It Phoenix taking down Harden Scales. I actually think the entire top eight was Phoenix, Dredge, and Harden Scales in multiples, along with one Grixis Death Shadow. So, uh, Modern's about to change. What do you think about our current Modern, Richard? It's modern. <laughs> be prepared <laughs> to be comboed out by multiple different decks so you can't really prepare for it and hope you have a good matchup. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's People modern are- before the mulligan. Like, imagine after the mulligan. This will get even better, right? I don't know. What do you think of the the new hotness in the Is It Drake deck, which, if you watch coverage at all... Oh, also, there was a Titan Shift. My bad. There was, there was two decks that were not those decks. One Titan Shift slipped in as well. Uh, what do you think about the Is It Phoenix slash Drake deck, which, if you watch coverage, uh, they were all over this being the best deck in the modern format at the moment, to the point where you got people sideboarding to beat the mirror with like main deck surgical extractions and stuff to get your opponent's phoenixes how good is this deck is this is this the new best deck or are we gonna see an adjustment in the metagame and it's gonna fall back down like we've seen in the past Mm, i don't know it it it's basically just some kind of like hybrid between dredge and Splinter Twin? I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like you you kind of just combo people out, but then you can kind of control them and then do stuff later. I feel like if people really care, like if you just slap down some ley lines or something, like what's this deck going to do? So I feel like if you're ready for it, you, you should be good? I don't know. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I think the deck is very good. I do think just looking at this top eight in general... I think we're to the point where you might want to be considering, like, main deck graveyard hate. Like, just looking at this top eight, I would be perfectly happy to have, like, main deck rest in peace in the in this current <laughs> meta. And it seems, like, almost unbeatable to, like, a lot of the top decks. Like, sure, it's not great against, like, hardened scales, but even against, like, Death Shadow, you're still shutting down Gurmag Anglers and Snapcasters. It's not bad there. So, I think that's where I'm at. Playing main deck, like, Relic of Progenitus or rest in peace or ley lines or something. Uh, so I do think the deck is very strong, but Modern's big, and I'm I'm not as pater- uh, particularly worried right now just because we know this upheaval is coming with this new set. So uh, what is the best deck right now? That is very subject to change in a couple months when we get Modern Horizons. Yeah, and I feel like you could just play LSV's Pro Tour deck and then just like swap in a couple cards and then go play Modern. Like it's a pretty good spot to be in if you want to just like test out Modern. It's kind of like if you could play Fish in Legacy and Fish in Modern. Uh, So it's pretty interesting. But I I do think, will this deck be good with the new mulligan rules? Like what if I can mulligan into my ley line? Like what are you going to do about it? Right? Like Then they get to mulligan into their their Faithless Lootings and Drakes. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll like if, if they we'll have see. to mulligan down to five cards and I'm Jund and I'm mulligan down to five cards, I think I'm more favored, right? Like I can just go all the way with a single Tarmogoyf. Can you go all the way with like, you know, three cards? So I don't know. What happens if what happens if you mold a five and don't hit your Yeah, I, I, my Tarmogoyf <laughs> sucks with the ley line on the battlefield, by the way. So I'm really playing Death Shadows, guys. <laughs> so that my one mana 13, 12, 12 or whatever could kill him. But yes. The other thing I want to mention before we get to fish mail is they had for the first time ever a mythic championship slash pro tour qualifier in pauper at 
Mythic Champ, Mythic Magic Fest London. Oh, my, so many <laughs> oh, weird words. Thanks, Wizards. The f- most important thing, uh, in the end, it was Boggles taking down, uh, Familiars. I think it's Esper Familiars. Uh, yeah, Esper Familiars in the finals. So Boggles won the whole thing. The most impressive part is looking at this metagame, it is insanely diverse. The top eight is not only all unique decks, uh, eight different decks, I believe, but they're all very much on different ends of the scales. There's a, like a, a spells deck. There's a tortured existence deck, which is like the dredge of the format. There's mono red burn. There's a zombie tribal deck. There's boggles. There's Tron. There's uh Demir Delver. So the metagame was insanely diverse and, I think that's pretty exciting for the pauper format moving forward. Like, not only was it featured on camera, they actually covered it. Not only did it qualify someone for a Mythic Championship, it actually really presented itself well on camera, because my nightmare is going to be, oh, you have, like, six Delver decks, and uh, it's miserable, and no one cares, but it seems like a huge win for the pauper format in general this past weekend. Yeah, being on camera uh, was amazing, and it's something that we never had with Watsi coverage. So kudos to Channel Fireball for showing showcasing that. And you get to see that, I, I think it means a lot more to Magic in general that you can play with just commons and have a deck that like makes sense and like works, right? Like you're not, you're not talking about some weird collection, but these decks uh, are very strong and probably can take on modern decks, right? And probably crush modern decks, depending on which deck you're talking about. So it's actually pretty cool to see kind of these old cards that you could like dig up. They cost kind of uh, less than the new cards. And then you can put together this deck and play. And it's a way to see old cards. And it's funny that you see all your favorite, like you see Tron, right? You can't escape Tron anywhere. (laughs) You see like (laughs) graveyard based decks, you see, uh, you know, combo spell decks. You see burn, burn is fine. So it's actually pretty cool and interesting to see that this format is quite diverse and that it's quite easy to get into, especially on Magic Online. Like this is like pennies on Magic Online. Yeah, it's super cheap online and it's actually pretty cheap in paper as well. I'm just looking over the metagame and there's a couple of exceptions, especially like Delver decks that play snow-covered islands for not too much of a reason that get over $100, but essentially you can get basically any deck in the meta for between $50 and $100, which puts it in like our budget magic price range, except you're buying the literal best decks in the format for that price. And if you never played Popper, it really does feel like like legacy light almost. Like when you hear all comments, you think, oh, this is this is gonna be like when we did that that Popper Commander clash and no one can kill each other and it's incredibly boring and it takes hours. But these decks are actually very powerful and there's a lot of the same synergies, the uh cantrips, the free counter spells, the powerful burn spells that you have in the legacy format. So if you've never tried it and you want a way to play something sort of adjacent to legacy for fifty dollars a deck instead of $5,000 a deck. Definitely something to keep in mind if you're interested. Yeah, and you can brainstorm. You can. Although brainstorm... No no fetches, though. You're going to have to crack it with the Devolving Wilds. You're going to feel a little bad. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's kind of funny. A lot of decks go with Preordain and Ponder over Braidstorm for that reason. Although you have like Ash Barons, uh, Evolving Wilds, Terramorphic Expand, so you can play some weird shuffling lands if you want to. But yeah, it definitely feels very much like Legacy. Yeah, I mean, look at the Delver deck. What could you be doing? You could turn one Delver, uh, and then you can daze their play. You can brainstorm into your daze, and then you can gush for some reason. Right, <laughs> forget legacy. We'll just go straight to vintage, right? So uh, it's pretty good, and yeah, you're gonna have to crack. You're gonna have to shuffle your brainstorm with evolving wilds, but I think the gush makes up for that. Oh, playing against Popper Dalver is my least favorite. Oh, that deck is so. It's it's not a ton of fun to play against. It feels. <laughs> It feels like a like a legacy Delver deck where they just play Delver and then like daze all your stuff and counterspell all your stuff and you lose without doing anything. Hooray. <laughs> but I was glad that Delver didn't dominate the top eight. I think there was only one actual Delver deck. So uh, as the MCQ showed, apparently you can compete with the deck and uh, the format is pretty diverse and apparently in a better place than I thought. I've been not playing much popper lately since Gush was part of the format because... On Magic Online, there's a lot of Delver decks, but this shows that maybe in paper, uh, it's a little bit different, and maybe Gush is not actually that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we're getting to that time, Richard, unless you have anything else about Magic Fest uh, fish mail, perhaps? Yeah, uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Desi Nohe, what five eternal cars do you want to see reprinted in Modern Horizons? So we discussed this. Counterspell, Innocent Blood, Planar Void, Mother Runes, Necropotence. Planar Void. What is what is what is Planar Void? I think that's like a, a black rest in peace. Wait, what? This exists? <laughs> one black mana. Whenever a card is put into a graveyard, remove Oh, it's a one mana a one mana black rest in Why peace. Why haven't we been playing this like Commander Clash? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets all graveyards too. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> How come I've never seen this in Legacy? Actually, <laughs> what happened? Yeah, that card actually seems really good. I've never played it either. Hmm, that is a really good choice, uh, whoever sent that in. Okay, Necropotence, uh, probably no. <laughs> no, yeah, Necro's not how about happening. How about Mom? How about Mother Runes? I am very anti-Mother. I don't want stuff that powers up humans more, and I think Mom does that pretty directly. I want Baleful Strix. <laughs> That's very high on my list. Give me my Baleful Strix. I want a Tezzeret, people. Come on. Come on, Wizards. I think Counterspell uh, is useless. I mean, it's fine, but it's not going to break the format. It's not as that good. I expect it just because it's not that good. How... Oh, factor fiction? I would like factor fiction. It's four mana. I think that's it's fine. Safe. It's probably it's probably fine. It's like too slow. Pernicious deeds. I really want pernicious deeds. Oh, vindicate. I want vindicate. I want to blow up someone's land for three mana. I actually think vindicate and is anything fine. else. That would. We have I, assassins I, trophy, right? Like you can destroy people's lands now, anyway. So I think vindicate is fine. How about sinkhole? <laughs> <laughs> sinkhole is probably not okay. <laughs> But they could, and they can just give you Wasteland. I'm fine with Wasteland. How about Port? Do you think Port could be a thing? I think it's safer than Wasteland, but I think it's still obnoxious to play against. Like, can you, like, just imagine, like, turn one vial into Thalia into Port. Like, it's still pretty obnoxious even without a Wasteland, right? Yeah. One thing I'm really curious about is if we see some tribal strategies powered up. There's, like, humans? some sweet... Uh, not humans. <laughs> like, Goblin Ringleader or Matron would be interesting. Oh, that would be so good. 
there's some sweet elves that are not in the format, like Wirewood Symbio or some of the, like the legacy elves pieces. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if we get any straight up tribal support from uh, legacy cards. What about like pox? Ooh. Smallpox. Wait, smallpox is legal, isn't it? We have smallpox. So you need we like don't real have pox. full pox. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think that's reserve list. Oh, Pox would be Pox is a cool card. Oh. I like death clouding people, so I would I would <laughs> and it's triple black. It takes a bit of a requirement. Yeah. Yeah, let's pox it. Alright. Leo5873. If you guys had personality tokens like the SCG ones, what would your token be? Oh. So do you actually like choose a like a creature type and stuff? I've tried to think of what the SCG ones are. Do they do they have Kithkin tokens? Does anything make Kithkin tokens? <laughs> it, there <laughs> are Kithkin tokens. Or is it like soldier token? I forgot. I'll, I'll take a Kithkin token then. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty fitting. If, if not, I'll take a Kobold. Kobold tokens are cool. <laughs> hmm. I don't know what I would take. Like the stuff that I like doesn't really. There's no Blood Moon tokens or Panharmonicon tokens. Uh. Hmm. Maybe like a giant. Giants have beard. Maybe I'd go into the some sort of bearded giant. Has I'm there, trying to think. What has else there been has a giant beards? token? What makes a giant token? Is it just like a hill giant? Like what? What is it? <laughs> giant. There's got to be. Oh, giant baiting makes a token. <laughs> Interesting. There Interesting. we go. Uh, well, let's go with that. <laughs> All right, hash brown monster. With the announcement of Modern Horizons reprinting non-modern cards into modern, is this just another sign that Legacy is being phased out by Wizards? Yes, uh, I I think that is. I mean, it's been being phased. At, at, at this point, I think it's been phased out. Yeah, as far as Wizards yeah, is it concerned, it's not even happening like three anymore. Years it's ago. done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Variant Human, would you guys consider yourself introverts or extroverts? Hmm. Uh, I guess I, I'm probably... Hmm. I'm probably an extrovert, I guess. I'm totally an introvert. <laughs> no, no questions. No questions about this one. <laughs> Um. Okay. Oh, everyone's just on the Modern Horizons train. Okay, Seth, we got some more. A little cheeky. Which of the following, if any, would be too good for modern? Enlightened Tutor, Arcane Denial, Patron Wizard, Fluctuator. Um. What was the first one? That was the one that most immediately felt too good to me. Enlightened Tutor. I think Enlightened. Would you like to tutor up a rest in peace? I think it like the tutor cycle might be too good. So I'm in a, I'm in a Nyx enlightened tutor. Fluctuator is dangerous, but in a janky sort of way where it's, I don't know if there's, if cycling is actually going to break the format. So it's probably okay just because cycling isn't a real deck. Uh, patron wizard. Uh, it might, might not work just because it's obnoxious as we saw in commander clash, but I don't think it's like too powerful. Yeah. I think the rest of them are fine. What what do you think, Richard? Mm, I think they're fine. I don't think Enlightened Tutor. Enlightened Tutor is probably too good, though. Uh, but if you're down a card, love. though. But I mean, I don't know. If you're going to put Enlightened Tutor, just put Vampiric Tutor in the format. Like, why not? How about Vampiric <laughs> Tutor? What if you just oh, go, like, boy. all the way and you're like, whatever? I mean, Demonic Tutor, that's not reserve list. Oh, Demonic Tutor. That would be so broken. We do t- the combos would be so consistent. We do we do not want that. What about Dark Ritual? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not red. <laughs> It's not red. I mean, the the reason you're, we're more scared of red rituals, right? Because you can pass and flames them. <sighs> oh boy, no, I no metamorphos. I, mean, I, I guess dark ritual. <laughs> no, no. If we could go back to the world of like 
Dark Ritual Hypnotic Spectre, that would be okay. But I don't think Modern is a place where that's what people would do with Dark Ritual. They're not going to be like, ah, turn one Hypnotic Spectre, go. They're just going to combo you off somehow. And then you daze them and you're like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I get greedy and they like Dark Ritual. I'm like, I'll just... I'll just counter the thing they put down and they like, thought sees me. I'm like, crap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I shouldn't, I've, have, I've, shouldn't have did that. I've done that too. Just like people say, like, never counter the tutor. Uh, just counter what they bring down. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> They're tutoring for a wasteland. <laughs> like, you can't counter it. Like, <laughs> counter the tutor. Uh, all these things you learned. <laughs> uh, Captain Wild 26. What is the difference between soft taco and a burrito? Yeah. I am not up on my it's the filling technicalities. It's, it's the it? filling. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like burritos, you typically have rice or something in it. Like you don't have rice in a soft taco. So the rice is the that's what. So, but what if you, I, I so if so. you put rice in a soft taco, it would be a burrito then. I would think so. Okay. Well, like you typically don't you, don't you typically don't put like beans and stuff in a taco, right? That's okay. typically something you put in a burrito. So I, I feel like it's the filling that makes it right. And then I guess you could put rice in a taco but then it's too small it doesn't make any sense anymore <laughs> okay i'll go i'll go with that <laughs> i am not a taco expert so someone will will correct me um oh okay okay this is just like the total let's speculate everything in legacy into modern mtg coffee tokens how about him to torak uh no <laughs> yeah that's probably too good uh also baleful strix yes mr mtg coffee tokens agrees with you force of will and I think there's a chance. I, I I think there's a chance that's the best card in the set, blue card, but it very well could not be as well. Oh, that would just make everyone have to play blue. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nope. Nope. All right. Free <laughs> Jazz. If you played a tier one modern vintage deck as a competitive EDH deck, gave them both 30 life and didn't allow so- sideboarding, who would win? With an Wait, extra 10 life, first? would EDH win? So a modern... Wait. Slash vintage. Those are two very different decks, by the way, versus yeah. a competitive EDH deck. Um, I think that the vintage deck would very likely win. The modern deck, that's a little more questionable. I think modern. <sighs> I think the competitive EDH deck will have high variance, but over time, like the modern deck will just win more. Like if, if you draw your soul ups. ring or something, like yeah, okay, cool, right? But if you don't, then like, are you gonna be able to consistently beat a modern deck? Probably not. Probably too inconsistent. Like I think that probably the CEDH deck could win either of those matchups, but you're right. Over the long haul, the consistency of having four of your best cards is gonna gonna probably win out for the constructed decks. Yeah, maybe we should try it. It's actually okay, and it also depends. Like if your modern deck is Jund, you're not gonna win. <laughs> oh, but we did mention tier one though, so <laughs> the Mike Arnold. Since we know about Modern Horizons, what are the chances we get some kind of Arena Horizon set for when Arena Modern is born? Uh I mean it could happen. Although I don't it seems a lot harder based on the small card pool. Cards that are okay in modern would be super busted if your format is basically current standard. <laughs> yeah. I feel like what they'll do is they'll make Arena Horizons to seed their standard plus format to make sure it doesn't just look like standard, right? So you'll probably get one set of like some collection of the greatest hits they feel should be in this format, and then that'll be the starting point of your format 
to make it not just look like you played your standard deck from like a month ago. That would be sweet. I would like that, I think. Yeah. That would make me more excited for the format. Like it's basically what Moto did with the master sets, right? They they're like, oh, I'm not making the last five years of magic cards. We'll just take the best ones and make them into the masters one, two, three, four set. And then that pretty much over time gave you kind of the coverage of the super old sets. Yeah. No, that's that's true. And at this point, like they did eventually get basically every playable card on there with that method. So maybe that's what they'd use for Arena. Uh, yes, but when I build a commander deck and I try to get some Fallen Empires cards, <laughs> sometimes they're not covered because of this master set issue. <laughs> all right. So that's all of our fish mail for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail. And we'll get to your questions on air. And I think that that brings us to the end of episode 213 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, one more time, thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. They got a new course, The Art of Sideboarding with Seth Manfield. First 200 people who buy the course with the code SIDEBOARDING get 15% off. So thank you again to them. Anyway, that's all for this week. We will be back next week to talk about whatever's going on in magic. Until then, this is the crew signing out. Bye.